0: turn in your bible to two passages of scripture Joel chapter 3 and then first Peter chapter 1. Everyone say Joel 3 and first Peter 1. We're going to continue today with this series that I began a few Wednesday, pardon me a few Sundays ago called Awakening the Warrior Within. And uh, most believers do not really engage themselves in what I've been talking about. We as believers, we think, well, you go to church and you be good and you don't rock the boat and then one day, if you've been really good, Jesus will come back and you'll go to heaven. How many of you want to go to heaven when you, when you pass from this life? Amen. That's a good thing. To go to heaven, you've got to put your trust, confidence, and, and reliance upon Jesus Christ as the Lord. You have to believe that he died for you on the cross and that he rose again the third day. That's what it takes to be born again. But there's so much more than just being born again. As we study scripture, we'll learn. And as we look at this Joel chapter 3 verse, which is an end times prophecy about the last days. If you believe we're living in the last days, give somebody a fist bump and say, we're living in the last days tell them we're living in the last days come on lord give me a fist month. we're living in the last days we really are and uh, you say well how do you know that well the church when it was born in acts chapter 2 the prophetic uh, fulfillment came through the book of joel in the last days i will pour out my spirit upon what flesh all flesh. That happened in Pentecost. So the church's birthday, if you will, is when the last days began. So we're living in the last days. And Joel says this about that day or this day, proclaim this among the nations, prepare for war. You see, the last days are a days of of not only harvest, but warfare. Everyone say prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Everyone say, I am strong. Now, that's a last days prophetic encouragement or a declaration about the last days. And so we've been talking about awakening the warrior within us. He said, wake up the mighty man. There's an inference there. It's much more than an inference. It's a In the last days, you know what the devil wants to do to the church? He wants to lull us to sleep. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. One of the ways he can steal, kill, and destroy in our life is just lull us into spiritual slumber where our eyes aren't, Open. Our, we're not uh, in, in, engaged in what's really going on in the spirit realm, and so I want to rattle us a little bit and wake us up. I I've said this early on. My daddy had a unique way of waking us up on Saturday morning. You got to remember, uh, I, I grew up on Friday night lights, Texas. You know, football on Friday nights, and, I, and my dad worked. During the night, and he'd get home about seven, and so I'd been playing football, uh, you know, and then celebrating or 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 else grieving over a loss, and and get home late, late or early, early in the morning, and I'd hit the bed and I would go to sleep, and my dad would show up at seven fifteen. He'd go into the stereo console. You ever remember, you remember the big stereo consoles and the big, uh, you know, we had uh, the thirty, and he put Boots Randolph and Orange Blossom Special on. Crank it up to ten. That's how he woke us up. Uh, it was uh, I'm still a little mentally and emotionally scarred over that, uh, but he didn't want us slumbering or sleeping when he came home awake. And I, you know what? Maybe we need some spiritual orange blossom special to awaken the church to where we are in the spirit realm. If you're with me, say Amen. And so that's what we've been talking about. And ooh, last week we looked at Jehoshaphat and we talked about the warrior's worship. I, if you weren't here last week or you missed it online, and in fact, you can go to our Facebook page. A lot of people watch us on, uh, live on Facebook or even in the archives. If you missed last Sunday, did you know? You can just go to Facebook and watch last Sunday's message. It's a miraculous thing. And so you don't have to be behind. You don't have to be disengaged, even if you have to miss. And so uh, the warriors worship. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about the warrior's sword. How many of you know every warrior needs his sword? If you have your Bible today, even if it's in the form of your phone, lift it up. That's the sword of the Lord, amen? Uh, And so it's the word of God. Uh, Revelations 1.16, just to kind of get you in the zone, uh, the Bible says when Jesus showed up, uh, it says out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His word is like a two-edged sword. Everyone say two-edged sword. I'm telling you, it, it's effective on all sides. And then when you get over to Ephesians, where Paul talks about the armor of God, one of the keynote offensive weapons of the armor of God, Ephesians 6:17 says, "The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God." Everyone say the word of God." And so the Word of God is a keynote weapon when it comes to our consistent victory over the powers of darkness. And in a sense, you know, when you look at the prophetic verse that I read to you, he said, what do you do? Uh, Beat your plowshares into swords. Uh, How many of you know when we're fighting a battle, we need the right equipment? And so We've got to realize that this word of God is not here just to heal me, help me, and guide me, and direct me. The word of God, the Bible says, is a sword that we can wield against the principalities and the powers and the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. It's a spiritual battle. Most issues, listen carefully to me, this will be revelation for somebody here who's going through some issues with with whether at work or whether at home or whether in your heart or whether with family, most issues that are conflicting and troubling have at their source a spiritual root that require the right weaponry to pull them down and to break those strongholds. Are you with me? Say Amen. And so today we talk about the sword of the Lord, the word of God. Now, I want to make a special notation as you turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to make a special notation. And this is what I want you to understand today. The influence of the sword must first be internalized before it can be weaponized. Let's say that together the influence of the sword, which is the word of God. Let's start over. How many of you realize the sword is God's word? His written word. Here we, Let's start over. Say it out loud with me. The influence of the sword must first be internalized before it can be weaponized. La Let's stop and think on that a moment before you and I can wield the word of God as a weapon of war against the principalities and powers and the spiritual forces of wickedness, we must first internalize what God is saying and take it as our own. In fact, Jeremiah said this about God's word. He said, your word became flesh and I ate it. It's like spiritual food. Jesus talked about it like the bread of life. In other words, it's it's got to be internalized into our life and made real in our life. Now, if you're in first First Peter, I want to read a few verses, and we're going to we're going to look at that in, in detail in different ways today. And because Peter, uh, in many different ways, uh, is sharing with us, sharing with us, pardon me, the importance and the priority of internalizing God's word in our heart. First Peter chapter one verse twenty two says this: Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, everyone say obeying the truth. How many of you know his word is the truth, right? He's talking about the word of God. He says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love uh, of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again. Now follow me, born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the what? The Word of God, which lives and abides forever. I'm telling you that right there ought to transform your life. You're born again because of the power of the Word of God, which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fades away. But what? Catch this. But the Word of the Lord endures how long? Forever. Now, this is the Word which by the gospel was preached to you. Now, follow me for a couple more verses in chapter 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, and envy, uh, uh, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the what? That you may grow thereby. And all God's people said, amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about internalizing the Word of God a bit, and there is a a whole lot we could say here because before it can be weaponized in your life, it must first be internalized. You've got to begin to desire and partake. You see that last verse in chapter two, verse two, in uh, kind of gives the illustration. It's like food for our soul. You know, little uh, Rhett Daniel. He's in the house. Is Rhett Daniel there? Is he sleeping while I'm preaching? He's sound asleep while I'm preaching. Don't do what he's doing right now. It's okay for him to do it. I'm going to tell you something about Rhett Daniel. <clears throat> Rhett Daniel desires the milk, not of the word. He just desires the milk. Uh, but it's the illustration. Even as newborn babies, everybody go. Eh, eh, eh. As newborn babies, man, is there something on the inside? Have, isn't, isn't creation amazing? I mean, when I was when I was growing, I'm going to write a book one day when I was growing up. Man, there's a lot of things were happening when I was growing up. How many of you know a lot of things have changed? But when I was growing up, we had cats and puppies and dogs, and they would all give birth, and it was such an amazing thing. Some of it was traumatizing, but the little puppies, the little kittens, by nature, they desired the sincere milk, the real stuff. They knew, I mean, just born and built within them. As believers, it's not so much the case. We get born again, and, and we very quickly lose sight of the necessity of internalizing God's Word in our life, so... That's what I want you to grasp today with me. Uh, Before we can effectively wield the sword, here's another way of saying it, we must yield to the sword. Everyone say, before I can wield, I must yield. You see, if you don't yield, you can't wield. Are you with me? Let me give you three simple thoughts, and there's a lot of different ways, but I see this in scripture here in First Peter. If you want to internalize and yield to the word, number one, you gotta hear it. Everybody say you gotta hear it. You gotta open your ears to hear what he's saying. Look in First Peter chapter 1, verse 12. He said, to them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you heard the word. And not only did you hear the word, you heard the word that was being declared under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the inspiration of the Holy Spirit opened us up to hear. In fact, Romans chapter 10, if you remember, let me just pause that Romans 10 thought. Just a few verses ago, we read that we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God. Everybody say the word of God. Hey, What happened in in Pentecost when Peter gets up and preaches under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? The Bible says thousands of people heard the word and they were born again because of the power of God's word. People aren't born again just because they wanna go to heaven. They're born again because they hear the word of God and they internalize it and they believe it and they receive it and they say, yes, Lord, I I trust you. I rely upon you and I cling to you and I thank you that you died me on the cross paid for my sin with your own blood rose again the third day so i too could have new life i believe that and i confess you as the lord and the leader of my life boom you're born again everybody say boom i'm born again (laughs) you didn't work for it you can't be good enough to be born again can you scotty Man, Scott, he's a good man, but if on his own strength, he goes right straight to hell. We all would. Born again by the word of Almighty God. Now back to Romans 10. Here's what the Bible says in chapter four, uh, 10, verse 14 through 17. It says, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Everyone say, faith comes by reading, no, by hearing something dropping into your heart through your ears and your, and your spiritual ears. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. That faith that we have because we hear God's Word, faith, trust and reliance upon what He's done for us, causes us and allows us to be born again Paul said for by grace you are saved through faith and that's not of yourselves it's a gift of God not by works lest any man should boast and so we embrace the truth today and we've got to hear it everyone say you got to hear it and then number two that I've already uh inferred and preached about a second we've got to believe it you got to believe what you hear and that's what he talks about in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And I'll just jump to verse uh, uh, 8 and 9. It says this, verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, he's talking about being born again, being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing. Everyone say, yet believing. You see, that's what causes you to be born again. What are you believing in? You're believing the word of God. I believe, I trust, and I rely upon God's word. Believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Somebody say amen. So it's gotta be internalized. You gotta hear God's word. You gotta believe God's word. And number three, of course, you must and I must obey God's word. You see, you've got to not only hear it but obey it. How many of you know when you tell your children something to do, you give them a command? Uh, it's it's not it's it it's it's of no benefit to God or man until they hear it, believe it, and obey it. Clean your room. You know they heard you, but they you come back to them. You didn't clean your room. You didn't tell me to clean my room, huh? A lot of believers, Hey, a lot of people, hey, you hear the word. See, today, let me just say, I've already shared the gospel with you today. You are without excuse. And you and I have a responsibility not only to hear it, believe it, and obey it. And so look in verse 22. What does he say that that happened there? It says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, Yielding to its governance and guidance in your life and saying the word of God is my source of guidance and governance in my life. You know what life would be so much better for people if they would just stop and wait and think and ponder. Yes, but what does the Bible say? let's think about divorce and things and issues that that affect our culture yes but what does the bible say listen if we if we yielded our life to what does the bible say there's so much uh, gosh there's so much self-governance in the world our men started a study Wednesday night on, ju- not really judges, but but Gideon, who's one of the judges. Oh, man, it was a great start. One of the issues with the children of Israel throughout 500 years of, of the judges ruling them after the death of Joshua was that the Bible says they all did what was right in their own eyes. They forsake the governance of the word of God and they did what was right in their own eyes. Listen, it doesn't matter if it feels right. It doesn't matter if you think it's right. It doesn't matter if everybody else is doing it right. Listen, it's what does the Bible say. And if the Bible says that I need to do this, then that's what I'm going to do. Let, you, you want me to bring it close to you where you get nervous? Let's talk about tithing for a second. What does the Bible say? Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. See if I'll not open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing so much so that you cannot contain it. That's what the Bible says. Today's culture, I don't know if I want to give. I don't know. I got things to do. I got, I've got bills to pay. I got issues. I got pro, you know, finances. God understands. and you know, But what does the Bible say? You see, before you can wield the word, you you and I must first yield to the word. And how do do we think we can be victorious in the face of the enemy with the power of God's word as Jesus was if we have not internalized and yielded ourselves to the governance and the guidance of the word of God in our life? Are you with me? Say amen. Everyone So you got to hear it. You got to believe it. You got to obey it. I think I quoted this a few moments ago but Hebrews 4.12 says this it really it really brings this whole thought home about internalizing the word of God because it says the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now that's a great passage of scripture that validates that the word of God the first place it wants to set up residence is on the Inside of you, and be the governor and the guide and the corrector and the guide of your life. Are you with me? That's what Jesus did, of course. And when uh, he was uh, in the uh, uh, the wilderness, being tempted by the devil, he wielded the word of God. The devil tempted him, and he said, "Hey, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God." What did he do? He began to wield the word of God. He said, "It is written." Everyone say, "It is written." You know what Jesus was telling the devil? Let me tell you what the Bible says. Listen, one thing that the devil wants to keep you from doing is knowing and believing and receiving and obeying what the Bible says. Because that's the place in your life. Somebody's getting this this morning. I don't know who you are, but if you're getting it, man, I'm so proud. Somebody's getting it. And what does the Bible say? Listen, uh, how many of you have, have uh, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you have someplace in your life, you did what was right in your own eyes? Oh, go ahead and raise your hand. I am. You just did what was right in your own eyes. You you were governed by what you thought rather than what Mama thought. Listen, you know when you are growing up, Mama and Daddy said this. At some point in your life, you you bucked up and you said, "No way, I am just going to do what I think's right." I don't. I know Mama and Daddy said this. I know even my Sunday school teacher said that. And oh Lord, that preacher believes different. But I am going to do what I think is right. And then you look back over the course of time and you say, "I sure should have listened to Mama and Daddy and my preacher and my Sunday school teacher and what the Bible said." Am I the only one here today? It's what the Bible says. It, it it wields in our heart great power. It's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the, of the heart. Now, this morning, let me give you some more good news. You want some good news about the power of the Word of God when you internalize it into your life, when you hear it, believe it, obey it, and receive it. In fact, I tried this morning uh, with Breakfast with Champions. If you want to see a little bit of the preview, sign on to my live broadcast on Sunday, somewhere around eight o'clock. It's called Breakfast with Champions. And years ago we learned, and we still teach this, how to get a firm grip on God's word, which is like the sword. You gotta hear it, you gotta read it, you gotta memorize it, you gotta meditate on it, and you gotta apply it in your life. And you can get a firm grip on God's word. In other words, it has to be internalized in your life. Now, if you and I yield to the word of God, the Word of God will go to work in our behalf. Let me share some things with you, five thoughts. And I'm sure there are many more. If you and I yield or internalize the Word of God in our life, the Word of God as the governor and the Lord and the, the Lord and the leader of our life, uh, the, the, the 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 healer of our hearts, number one, it will life you. The word of God will life you. That's what I've already said. Verse 23, you're born again by the word of Almighty God. You see, the Bible says, listen, well, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that before we're born again, we are dead in our trespasses and sin. We're spiritually dead. You see, when sin entered in, Humanity was spiritually separated from God. What happened to Adam and Eve as soon as they sinned? They were separated from God. Before that, they walked with God in the cool of the day. Just had it made. And the only couple of commandments, don't eat of that tree. And the devil came in and did what? He tempted them and they partake and they sinned. And sinned. And the Bible says all of us were are now born in sin. Little Daniel right there was born. He, he'll be a natural born sinner, believe it or not. He'll grow up and the sin nature which is within him will begin to raise its ugly head and mom and dad will begin to have to govern him and guide him and correct him and be his authority and lead him to a place where he really, I am a sinner and I need Jesus to be uh, the Lord and the leader of my life. Uh, But the word of God will life you. I'm telling, breathe life. Just like God did to Adam, breathed into him as his physical body and he became a living soul. God will come and breathe into our spirit man and we'll become life. That's why they call it, born again. Amen. The word of God will life you. James 1:21 says the word of God saves us. It delivers and protects us. John 8:31-32 Jesus said if you abide In my word, you are my disciples indeed. It's talking about the life of God being made manifest. James said, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Philippians 2.16, holding fast the word of life. The word of God will life you. If you internalize it, begin to uh, believe it, receive it, obey it, and live it out in your life, you'll get spiritually life. Number two, the word of God will liberate you. Everyone say liberate. Look at verse 18 and 19 of 1 Peter. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot or blemish. What's he talking about? Being set free and liberated from the sin uh, 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 that controlled our life. Did you know Paul said in Romans 6, we were slaves to sin? until Jesus came along and liberated us and set us free. And when we yield to the governance and the guidance of God's Word, we get liberated. From the guidance and the governance of sin, Satan self, we get set free. That's what Jesus said he came to do when he picked up the scroll there in Luke chapter 4. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the word and set at liberty those who are bound. If you've experienced greater levels of liberty in your life because of the influence of God and his word today, just say, hallelujah. hallelujah. It's so true. The power of the word of God. It's not legalism and words of that, 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 that Lord over you. It said, what did I say? The Word of God is living and active. The Word of God will liberate you. That's what John 8, I meant to read it. I started reading it and I shouldn't have. If you abide in my Word, you're my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth will do what? Set you free. It's not the truth that sets you free. It's the truth you know. It'll liberate you when you internalize the word of God. Now it's got to be internalized. You can't do this. Um, that doesn't work, does it? It's got to get out of off the page, into your head, and down into your heart. I'll never forget years ago. I don't I was in church, Beverly Hills Baptist Church, and I always knew that Jesus loved me. Jesus loves me this for the tells me little ones to Him, they are weak but His love. I always knew that. Here, sang it as a child. One day in church, as a teenager, something happened, and God spoke to me in my heart, and, and it was from the from His his heart to mine, and it came something like this, you know I love you, don't you? And what was here dropped down into here? And tears began to roll down my cheeks, and I I said, he loves me. What a revelation that came to me. I should have known it. I knew it here, but I didn't really know it here. And he spoke it to me and confirmed what his word says and what I'd sang all my life. And it set me free in a whole new way. The word of God, when you yield to the word, the word of God will life you, liberate you. And number three, the word of God will wash you. Ooh, I like this one. And let me tell you something. We all need a little scrub-a-dub-dub when it comes to the word of God in our life. The Bible said, look in verse 22 uh, of chapter one. Since you you have been purified, you have purified your souls. Everyone say purified. Since... I said, everybody say purified. Purified. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the, through the spirit, uh, in the sincere love of the brethren, you see, what's he saying? The truth of God washes us. Ephesians 5 26 talks about being the washing of the water by the word. It's like spiritual cleansing in our, in ourselves. Oh, this is an old illustration. If you've been around me, you've heard this before, but there's some people haven't ever heard this before so I can't can't resist back in the day when I was growing up, uh, really the only uh, uh, counteractive I used to hear from non-believers, oh, all you Christians, you're just brainwashed. You're just brainwashed. Then one day I realized, we are. We just chose who started washing on our brains. What began to cleanse us? Rub-a-dub-dub. When I was growing up, one of my favorite, I don't even know if they make it anymore, Irish Spring. It had green and white. I mean, it's just, if Irish Spring still exists, please, please bring it to me, Lord, and Beverly. I felt so clean. But let me tell you something. The Word of God does much better than Irish Spring. It'll wash your brains from those detrimental, unholy, ungodly, Unhealthy thought processes that were implanted in you by the world, the flesh, and the devil and give you a new way of thinking. If you get a new way of thinking by the power of the washing of the water, by the word of God, then once you begin to think differently, you can begin to act differently. Once you begin to think differently, you can walk differently. You can talk differently. You can, hey, you can live and move as the Bible says and have your being because of the power of the word of God that washes over your brain. Well, I don't Know, Pastor, do, do we have to read the Bible? Do we have to? No, you don't have to, you get to. Thank God for the washing of water by the Word. Somebody say, Amen. See, when you and I internalize God's word in our heart, it'll wash us, it'll cleanse us. Number five, it'll keep you. The word of God will keep you. It says this in verse 23 through 25 that the word of God lives and abides forever and endures forever. In other words, this is not a one-time encounter and then you try to find and find your way. The word of God will keep you in the ways of God. I love what David said. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The word of God will govern and guard and guide your heart and protect you and keep you. Say amen. And then the word of God will grow you. We all need to be growing spiritually. Our fourfold statement is this. We're called to gather. That's what we're doing. We're called to... Grow, that's the call of God on our life. Not just physical growth, spiritual growth. The Word of God will grow you. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 2, desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. You see, the Word of God must be internalized before it can ever be weaponized in our life. Before we can wield the Word, we must yield to the Word. And once we began to yield and internalize the Word of God, we can begin, as the prophet said, beat our plowshares into swords and our pruning hooks into spears. We will have transformed our life, not just a mode of survival, but a mode of conquering. Greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world kind of Christian. And we as Jesus and wield the Word of God against the principalities and powers. And let me just say, when the devil comes your way to steal, kill, and destroy, as you have yielded yourself and internalized what God's Word says, you can say, even as Jesus said, well, let me just tell you what the Bible says. You're already a defeated foe. And now all I have to do is trust the Word of God. Let me just say what the Word of God says. Do you think Jesus was a Pentecostal? Let me explain. If you have any Pentecostal heritage, this is the way you and I learned how to rebuke the devil. And there's nothing wrong with it. We'd contort our face. get all bodily contorted would say I bind you devil, in the name of the Lord now that's there's no problem there but if you follow in the words of all Jesus did let me read the Bible let me tell you what the Bible says and so according to the word of God You must flee in the name of the Lord. You can throw that in there. It's what the Bible says. It's internalized. Now, let me give you some cool last thoughts here. It's some awesome last thoughts about internalizing the word of God. And it's from verse 22. The spirit of God will help you yield and wield. This is not all on our own, and the Spirit of God. Look what I already read at verse twenty-two. You a, you've purified yourselves in obeying the truth through the Spirit. I want to say through the Spirit. In other words, you internalize it and follow after by way of the help and the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus told his disciples when he left and went to heaven, he said, you go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the promise of the Father. He told them in John and other gospels. He said, I'm not going to leave you without help. I'm going to send the comforter, the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you. He's going to lead you into all truth. My goodness, I almost jumped into old-timey preaching right there. The Spirit of God will help us. Some, some people feel overwhelmed when you get this Bible out. God, there's just so much. Oh, my gosh. The Spirit of God will help you. And not only will the Spirit of God will help you, there's a, that's why the Bible raised up teachers. In fact, gosh, your, your pastor, Sam has been helped by other people. Uh, as, as I was preparing for our Gideon message with our men, I got on right now media and I I forget his name. He's a, uh, I think he's the president of the Southern Baptist convention in the United States of America. He's a young guy. He was doing a series on judges. You can go through that whole book with him, uh, in about, oh, I think. Eight or nine sessions, which are about fifteen minutes each videos, and man, that guy was helping me. I'm telling you, uh, and and uh, and I, he and me and the Holy Spirit, I got a handle on judges in about fifteen minutes. That if you just looked yourself and looked to judges, go. Oh my goodness! I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, men and women of God of faith. That's why Wednesday night are so important. Our ladies are going through the Gospel of Mark. Our men are going through uh, the not just judges, but the uh, the life of Gideon, who was a judge and who led uh, the people to a plate of, place of great victory over the enemy uh, and a vict- victory over evil in that day. And so it's the Word of God. That's some good news today. There's no reason to be overwhelmed. And if you've never picked up the Bible today, whether you're watching by Facebook or here this morning, let me just give you a head start. Just read the red. Go to Gospel of John. Learn about Jesus. And as we close today, here, here's up. When you think of the whole book, you think about the, the this whole book. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. The, new, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. You read the Old Testament, it's types and shadows of things to come. And so you read the New and you read the Old and you begin to see Jesus in the Old. In fact, in the book of Judges, I better shut up, it's time to go. In the book of Judges, you find out they needed a Savior. And they kept looking for somebody to save them in way of the judges. But how many of you know the only Savior that really matters is Jesus Christ? Let's stand together today. Let's internalize God's Word. Holy Spirit, you can help us. Lord, we need to, somebody here today, you've never thought about giving yourself over to the influence and the guidance and the governance of the Word of God. But today, right in this place, something on the inside of you, there's a void. There's a vacancy which only Jesus can fill. Today, whether you're listening to me by way of Facebook Live or even by later broadcast, whether on our website or internet, on Facebook or here this morning, something on the inside of you says, I need Jesus in my heart and life. I want to put my trust and my reliance. I want to be as that first century church that heard the gospel and were born again with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, that's me. Today, I want to know that I know that I know Him in my heart. I want what you said just a moment ago. I need Him. I want Him to life me spiritually. I realize I'm spiritually dead and void of God in my life. If that's you, wherever you are, even if you're watching by Facebook Live in faith, just lift your hand where you are. If you're here this morning, say, that's me, Pastor. I just need Jesus' life to come, come rushing in. I need that living water to wash over me, whether here or there. Just lift your hand and say, that's me. Today, as we close this service, we're going to pray with you. We're going to all pray together. We're going to ask Jesus Christ, who redeemed us with His blood, to come and live and abide within our hearts and allow His Word to govern and guide our lives. Let's bow our heads today. I want everyone here in this room and even if you that are watching by Facebook Live to pray this prayer with me for maybe literally hundreds, even thousands of people who may hear this message. Let's all pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, thank You for the Word of God that's living and true. I thank You that You died for me on a cross. You were buried in a borrowed tomb and you rose again the third day. I believe you did that just for me. I put my trust in you. I rely upon you. I believe in you. I confess you as the Lord and the leader of my life. I invite you into my heart to come and cleanse me and heal me and help me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Everybody say it again. Amen. amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you know what happened just now? You prayed in pr- the, that prayer of faith because you see the word of God came and gave you faith to believe. That prayer of faith, the Bible says you were born again. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise today and thank Him for His word. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God.